Hello, I hope everybody is doing okay. Um, and that they're all safely staying at home and hopefully uh, finding what little positives they can in this situation. I wanted to take today to talk about um, ancestral altars. Um, I know we've talked about your basic altar in previous podcasts. But today I wanted to talk about an ancestral altar. Um, right now so many people are losing their lives and losing their loved ones. And sadly, um, a lot of them are passing without an opportunity to say goodbye or have anybody at their bedside because of the no visitor policies that all the hospitals are having to put in place. So I wanted to take some time to discuss and go over and talk about ancestral altars. So what is an ancestral altar? An ancestral altar is a place um, designated um, in your your space where you can um, place things or shrine is another word that people would use. Um, But it's a space on which you can put offerings and incense is burned. Um, and it's a place where offerings are made and reverence is given to the spirits of those who came before us. So sometimes this means, um, it can mean a lot of different things when you say ancestral. It can mean your immediate family. So for example, on my ancestral altar, I have photos of past loved ones that I, um, not everybody, but um ones that I felt a strong connection to in life that I would go to um, and would want their guidance and their um, protection and things like that um, now. And then you can also, there's terms of ancestral in the sense of um, <clears throat> not just beyond, but beyond your lineage. So there's ancestral as in like deep ancestral, right? The people who I never met, my bloodline. Those, those are my ancestors, and there's still there's you can call on those people. Um, then there's also what people kind of considered like a removed ancestral in the sense that like all um, witches. So you would say my witch witch ancestors, and so like that's a kind of like a a perceived bloodline, but not a real bloodline, uh, if that makes sense. Um, Sometimes people will put, if they have a affinity towards something, like maybe you really love music and you play an instrument and there is somebody who was um, very inspirational to you that's no longer here, that would be considered an ancestor in a sense that it's, there's, you have an affinity towards um, those people. Those, so for example, I'm a nurse. So I do consider myself following in the footsteps of those who went before me, all those nurses who went before me, we, you know, women, we're all where we're at today because of the women's suffrage and all those women who went before us. So even though I don't share a bloodline with them, they're my ancestors. They have helped pave the way for where I'm at today. So that's, it, it goes beyond just the, you know, my deceased grandparents or or siblings or cousins and things like that, aunts, uncles. Well, those are also very much found on a um, ancestral altar, and that's what you'll find on mine. There are also things that just represent 
those who have gone before me in the paths that we have in life type of thing. So like I said, I I consider Florence Nightingale. So like I said, I would consider Florence Nightingale as someone who's part of my ancestry. The Sisters of Mercy are part of my ancestry. All the nurses who went before me are part of my um, ancestry. So you can have things on your altar that represent all of that. Um, for example, if I was struggling in something with my career, um, you know, it would be fine to call upon and ask for guidance from my grandmother or my grandpa or an aunt or uncle, something like that. But it might do better to call on and ask for, you know, the spirits of the nurses who went before me, who, um, you know, were dedicated to their craft and their field to to guide and help me so so it's very much open to um personal and interpretation and and um intuitiveness and things like that because you know some of you may say i had really bad relationships with those people who had gone before me in my family like many you know many people have severed ties from from family members and so they don't have anybody that they would say i'm gonna put up a picture of this person or that person and, and that's fine um, I would leave a space for, you know, the ancestors that you never met. Because somewhere in your bloodline, I can promise you, there was a person who was like you, who, you know, is was that black sheep or the one that, that, you know, didn't get along with the rest of them, that kind of thing. So maybe make a little place for them, even though you don't know their name or who they are. Um, on the altar, you will find, you want to find things that are going to represent the four elements. So you'll have something that represents fire, air, earth, water. Um, you'll put um, a candle. Typically, they say a white candle. Um, and then incense. Um, I have crystals on mine. I have a white candle. I burn incense for them as offerings of pictures of loved ones. Um, so... And what you use it for is, 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 is this a space to give them some place in your home to say you're not forgotten. Um, I remember you. Um, and, you know, you're, you're still loved. And it's, it, it, it serves as a physical place to, to go and connect with them to be able to to sit down and maybe talk to them and say, I need your help with this or that. Or um, some people will actually use, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I say I'm a lot, sorry. Some people will actually go to their ancestral altar for, altar for magical purposes as well if they feel like those ancestors are going to help them and intercede on their behalf, that kind of thing. It's not uncommon for those of you who had a history in Catholicism like a lot of us had. Um, we, um, being raised Catholic, you pray to the saints and you pray um, to those who, you know, to your deceased relatives so you pray for them ask them to intercede on your behalf is what they would say so um it's the same kind of concept there some people go to them and say you know help me with this particular thing um and then and they help them in their in their magical rites so 
I also have a Rose of Jericho on mine. Uh, just because it's considered the resurrection plant. And so to me, it has a lot to do with life and death and rebirth and that kind of thing. So that is what I have on mine as well. So creating an ancestral altar is a way for us to acknowledge their presence and guidance in our lives. Our ancestors include anyone who played a significant role in your life. So you can use your altar as a place to give thanks to all those who came before you or played a significant role in your life. Your ancestor altar is a place where you can go to speak to them and receive guidance from them. Creating an altar shows your ancestors that you value and welcome their communication. If you don't feel as though you have the guidance of your ancestors, creating an altar space is a great way to start this. A space dedicated to ancestors is a great step towards connecting with them. Um, so who are you honoring? Someone says ancestors, we think of deceased people with whom we have a blood connection. While that's true, we also have spiritual ancestors. This could be someone who is a teacher, caregiver, or anyone who has played a significant role in your life. You want to be sure you're inviting in ancestors that are loving, helpful, and well in spirit. So sometimes what I do when I'm like, I don't even know who to begin to ask for help, I will just say I call on all who who are love and light. So that's a way to kind of say like, because you have to be careful. You just say I'm looking for help with this or that and you kind of open a door and just leave a blanket statement out you don't really want to do that um so I tend to always just say um I call on all those who are love and light to assist me in this um you could even be more specific and say you know I call on my guides and ancestors who are of love and light and want to assist me in this because not all, all your ancestors are, you know, love and light. So you just want the ones who are going to be helpful. So I'm going to share with you an expert from, an excerpt, excuse me, from Deliverance who do spells of uncrossing healing and protection. So there are many ways to honor the deceased as there are, cult, there are cultures that have that have ever existed today a tremendous amount of people are cut off from the practices of their own ancestors maintained to forge a connection to their forebearers um it goes on to say in spiritualism both blood ancestors and other spirit guides are honored with an emphasis on cleanliness and sweetness an ancestor altar can be made by draping a white cloth over a dresser or a high shelf and arranging either six or eight long stem glasses of water in a circle on top of it with one slightly taller glass of water placed in the center a drop or two of sweet smelling perfume like florida water may be added to each glass and a white candle is lit christian symbols such as crosses crucifixes are also common but the important thing is to appeal to the sensibilities of your forebearers uh ancestor reverence is the content and this context is highly personal so there are no rules emphasis placed on the experience that the practitioner has both at the altar and elsewhere in life, guiding them toward offerings to make the actions to take based on signs and omens. Placement of the altar in the home varies from person to person based on space, concerns, and preference. Some would say that such an altar should never be erected in one's bedroom due to the issues of propriety, while others would say that the kitchen is the best because the deceased want to be included in daily conversations and activities of their descendants. 
Many folks tend their ancestral altar once a week, refreshing the water glasses, replacing food and offering items, putting out new candles, and generally spending time with their ancestors by sitting in meditation before the altar after giving prayers of thanks and making requests. Others tend the altar daily, but it, it is almost universally considered a non-working altar. Spells are not performed here, even in situations where ancestral aid is called upon. Rather, there's a place to commune, connect, and even cleanse oneself by verbally petitioning one's dead relatives to help while running one's hands down the body through auric field and flickering energetic debris toward the altar. A splash of perfume like Florida water on the hands before cleansing in this manner is traditional. Now, see, they said that that work's not done there, but I have seen where other people do do that, where they ask for the aid of their ancestors in their spell work. So I think it kind of is up to you. Uh, many consider one's ancestors and personal spirit guides to be their primary source for gaining wisdom, clarity, as well as their first line of defense against attack. If one seeks to hone their mediumship abilities, then time spent at one's ancestor altar can be of great help as well. After giving offerings and expressing gratitude, pray sincerely from the heart for guidance, wisdom, and clarity. Then sit in silence before the altar for at least 15 minutes and afterwards record your impressions. These may be images, thoughts, and or words that come to mind during the meditation. Performing this at least once a week can have a tremendous effect on one's intuitive abilities and the grace with which one moves through life. If you don't experience anything, continue anyway. They may make their message known in dreams or everyday signs and omens. Many psychic readers attribute their intuitive insight to the aid of their ancestors, and many root doctors believe their help is integral to the potency of their work. So, um, I tend to have what we had called um, growing up Catholic as visitations where my ancestors, my deceased loved ones will come to me in dreams and send me messages that way. So that's a little information on ancestral altars. Um, hopefully you will find that beneficial. Uh, so today I decided like, instead of picking like a specific herb or in that plant herb section that I would talk about, um, the plant called Rose of Jericho. The Rose of Jericho um, is also sometimes called a desert rose and you can buy them online or a lot of your occult shops have them. When you buy it, it will look like this dried up brown ball and you set it in water. You set its root base in water and over the period of a couple of days, it will reopen and turn green. This plant um, is also known as the resurrection plant. It can live in that dried up state for like 10 years, uh, no problem. I mean, you could dry it up and stick it in a back cupboard and forget about it. 10 years later, find it, stick it in a bowl of water, and it will open back up. So, um, you can probably guess why so many people like it, um, as it's... Um, kind of considered a resurrection plant so it's something good to put on an ancestral altar because uh, it does kind of signify birth and and death and um one of the ways to utilize it i have two i have one at my entryway uh and with it what you do is you put it in water 
at your entryway and in the base of the bowl you put some loose change and that is said to bring prosperity into your home. I have used some glass beads. So I have a clear glass bowl with some glass beads um, to kind of support mine because they are prone to root rot. So I, that way mine's not just floating in the water. Its roots are able to be in the water a little bit, but I'm supporting the plant with, with all these beads so that it's not, and so far it's done pretty good. And then a Apparently, every couple of months or every month or so, you need to pull it out, let it dry up, um, and kind of start all over again. <clears throat> so one of the things that people also do is they would use it in ritual or spell for potentially um, binding, banishing. Um, but that's that's a situation where, you know, I, I, I'm not done it. I'm sure it's a great idea. Uh if you don't mind leaving your plant dry, basically, um, I like to let it be open. So what they do is they will, they'll open it and then you place whatever it is, whatever your representations are for that, which you're trying to bind or get rid of, um, in the center of your Rosa Jericho, and then you allow it to close up. It will close up around those things so thereby um, in essence binding um, I've not done that yet just because I'm like such a plant freak I love my plants and so I don't know what you would do if you wanted to reopen it <laughs> so I guess you'd have to kind of think that process through because um, typically for me when I do things that are banishing binding they're, they're one and done. They're done. They get buried. Um, and so I just would feel bad doing that with my Rosa Jericho. Um, so anyway, there's your, there's your plant, the Rosa Jericho. It's, it's a fun little plant. I, I love it. I have two of them. They're great. So for your stone today, I chose Azurite. Um, it's a deep blue stone. Uh, it's good for balance, calm, and dream work. Um, in meditation, Azurite can mimic, mimic uh, staring into uh, the sky or the sea. Um, it's usually cobalt blue. Um, it's used for waking, dreaming, um, Kind of helps to focus the mind. In Egypt, it was considered a magic stone. Um, it increased spiritual powers. Um, it expanded the limits of your conscious realm. It promotes a healthy reevaluation of your life and uncover hidden abilities and talents. Um, it can enhance creativity and inner wisdom because it cleanses and activates the third eye chakra. Place it um, somewhere where you want kind of powerful energy to flow, energy, creative energy to flow. Okay, so in light of everything that's going on, I thought I would share a um, some crystal stuff for combating anxiety. Um, got this off of the... Uh, Sage app 
um, <clears throat> loads of people suffer from anxiety. I actually have um, anxiety disorder. So uh, part of that's from being um, empath. So I pick up, especially right now, I'm really struggling and I apologize that it's been a while and I'm not been consistent about getting these things out since the whole COVID crisis and it is because I'm going to be honest with you guys I have been struggling um, just the overwhelming um, kind of uh, sense of fear and anxiety and unknown that everybody's feeling it's really hard to um, kind of shelter that out or or get um it's hard to, uh, shield myself from that. So, um, and this is, this is like nothing we've ever experienced before. And so it's, you know, uh, it, it's, I, I would just be lying and joking if I were to try and say like, oh, it's not affecting me at all. Like I'm, I'm really good at grounding and I can shelter myself and, and shield myself. And no, I'm, you know, I, would like to think I'm really good at grounding and in normal circumstances I am good at grounding and I'm fairly decent at, at shielding but I mean this is some heavy shit y'all <laughs> this is like I mean you're feeling global anxiety and fear it's a little different than walking into a room and picking up on one person's anxiety and being able to say okay that's yours not mine and and kind of shield it out and so yeah this really has been rough for me you guys and I'm not gonna lie and and I hope uh being able to admit that maybe makes some of you all feel better too about where you're at because this shit's hard I'm not gonna kid um and I'm not gonna pretend and and it's okay like it's okay to not be okay just if you need help reach out for help if you need to cry have a cry um it's okay it's okay I did that the other day I was at Walmart and I was walking around and um it was just so heavy. It was so heavy. I couldn't even, it's hard for me to even describe how heavy it was. People were not, um, even the music was turned down. Like you couldn't even hear the music playing. I thought, good Lord, somebody please put on some like upbeat music or something and blare that shit. Like we need this. We need, it was nuts. People were just, you know, there weren't that many people because they're limiting the number of people who can come in. And they were, uh, some people wear masks, some people weren't. So some people clearly don't care what the CDC guidelines are. Um, I thought, okay, well, I know who the intelligent people are. <laughs> so, uh, and, and then, you know, nobody was smiling. If they were smiling, it was hidden behind a mask. You know, I tried to smile as much as I could and make eye contact. The people were just not doing that. People are not connecting. People are not connecting at all. They're very shut off. They're scared. Um, they're, they're looking for their own needs. They are searching for what they need and they're very focused on, um, what they need to protect themselves, you know, it's kind of like it goes back to Manslow's and shelter and food are, are these very basic um, primal needs. And so if those needs are not being met, uh, shelter, food and safety, if those needs are not being met, it's really hard to rise above and do anything else. Um, if you go back to looking at your, your Manslow's hierarchy, if you don't have a stable down there with your, 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 you feel safe, you're sheltered and you have food, you, you know, spiritualism is like way off in the distance. It's hard to, um, to even get there. Um, you know, a self-actualization, all that kind of stuff that comes with being a higher level being those, those things, um, you don't, you don't 
manifest those things. They're just not happening because you're too focused on those um, primal needs of, of safety and food and shelter. And right now, those are real fears for people. And it was very overwhelming. And I just was like, oh, I, I just couldn't handle it. And I started to um, I started to cry and tear up. Um, and so I got my stuff. And I left. And I went home. And I thought, oh, shit, I'm going to have an anxiety attack. But um, I, luckily, there was, you know, some saving grace and I guess, being older and dealing with all of what I have dealt with and what I do deal with, that uh, I did not have an anxiety attack, thank God. Um, I did not have an anxiety attack. I was very fortunate, and I had, I had this kind of, like, realization of... You just need to cry. Like, you've, this has been three or four weeks now, and you've been carrying this in. I kind of separated from it, and I told myself, you know, you've been carrying this for three-plus weeks, your anxiety and everybody else's anxiety and fear and worry, and, and you just keep putting on this numb face and going through the motions, and you're not really, like, dealing and you just, just cry, girl, just cry. So I sat in my house, like, just bawling and not feeling any guilt about that or fear about that or sense of loss of control with that. Because sometimes I would feel a sense of loss of control when I cry. But I, I realized, like, no, it's not a loss of control. It, this is a controlled cry. I'm telling myself it's okay to cry, and I know why I'm crying, and it's appropriate to cry, and I did feel better after I had that big old cry, so if you need to cry, cry, baby, cry, um, so all that said, um, I just wanted to, to touch on these, um, <clears throat> combating anxiety with the healing crystals, According to this, 40 million people in the U.S. suffer from anxiety. Um, the rise and grind culture that we have. Crystals are one of the tools that have a really positive impact um, that we can use. Okay, so this is, like I said, but I've, I've referenced this app loads of times before, Sage. This is from the Sage app. This is Ash Charlson. She wrote about combating anxiety with healing crystals. And she says, did you know anxiety disorder affects more than 40 million people in the U.S.? It's the rise and grind culture. Um, it can really take a toll on everyone's mental, spiritual, and physical well-being. Uh, she mentions that she has anxiety, too, and that crystals are a tool that you can use to help um, battle that. So, um, crystal healing is not, she does want to make sure that crystal healing is not meant to replace conventional medicine, but rather complement it. I agree with that, y'all. I, like I said, I have gen general anxiety disorder and I see a therapist and, um, you know, I take some medications. I'm not going to be embarrassed about that. I think we need to erase the stigma. And, um, I also carry crystals and wear crystals, but it's, you know, hey, I, I believe in shotgun theory. 
<laughs> like I, some scientists will say we don't like to use lots of things because we want to know what worked. I really don't care what worked. I just want something to work. I, so I'm all about like use it all. If something hits me, great. I don't need to know which one. <laughs> so, um, but I carry actually I carry crystals on me throughout the day as well, um, just to to help. Uh, because I see a lot of things, uh, a lot of, I see a lot of things that can affect me, um, not so much as, not trauma-wise that I used to see in ICU-CCU, but, uh, mostly what I experience is, um, grief and poverty and, um, and loneliness. That's a lot of what I, what I see on the day-to-day. So she says, dealing with anxiety and potential anxious situations, it's important to become grounded, uh, black tourmaline is basically like a sponge. It soaks up all the negativity that can be coming your way. For that reason, it needs to be cleansed pretty often. Petrified wood, she says, is like a hug from the mother goddess herself. So much ancient healing and wisdom held by this stone. Garnet, she suggests getting a pair of garnets, meditating with them in each hand, and that this anchors you back into your root chakra. Once you've become grounded, you'll be more receptive to the healing frequencies of these following calming crystals. So, uh, lepidolite um, is one of the most important crystals to help ease anxiety. Uh, lepidolite is actually a form of lithium. It's a type of um, lithium, which is a common ingredient in mental health medications. So, it's basically your chill pill crystal. I like how she wrote that, your chill pill crystal. <laughs> Blue lace agate, um, just looking at this stone, brings about a sense of peace and calming. Meditating with blue lace agate or wearing it in jewelry can bring some harmony to an overwhelming day. Halite. Halite, this crystal really is effective for mental restoration. Halite is said to help ease your mind. can also improve your sleep. Now, I sleep with halite under my, my pillow. I have a little bag that I, and I get flat stones. I have not, uh, they're, they're a little harder to find, but you can find them. Um, sometimes you have to go to gym shops that aren't cold. But um, I have, I have a very thin kind of shaved piece that's flat. Um, and I have three or four stones and I have them in a little pouch and they go in my pillowcase under my pillow and halite is one of them. So it says it's also important to note that when in an anxious state, it's totally normal to feel easily overwhelmed. So introducing new to you crystals might be enough to trigger some anxiety. Take a break from working with your crystals if you have to. Always try to remember to make sure your crystals are cleansed as well as your energy field in your space. Remember to be patient with yourself. You're not alone. So... I wanted to share that because I feel like right now, I, I, this whole episode that I'm doing today, today, or well, I've pieced it together over the last week, um, is trying to do things that, you know, may help with or give some sense of calm or peace with relating it to the current situation with what we're going on. So I don't, like I said, I don't feel like, I don't feel like that this path is just some path that's, you know go through the motions or call corners, that kind of thing, the Hollywood stuff, like, this is, this is, there's things to incorporate in your everyday life, there's ways to turn to this to help you in your everyday life, this is meant to be something that can um, be a way of life, and so I felt like it's important for me to focus on things that could be useful right now, right now with what's going on, and I will always try to do that in these podcasts. So anyway, there you have it. Sorry it's taken me so long to get this put together and up and out. 
Um, again, just I apologize, but be patient with me. We are all struggling. Maybe you aren't, and if you aren't, hey, great for you. Um, <laughs> if you're not, you're either amazing and very well-grounded or stupid. <laughs> no offense, but um, <laughs> I'm going to hope that you're the... <laughs> that you're uh, very well grounded, <laughs> but um, you know it's it's a tough time for all of us. This is something that we will never, never forget. And uh, there's a lot of lives being lost right now. Even if it's not you, if it's not affected you personally, you don't have a loved one or know of someone who's passed. Um, there's a lot of lives that have been lost, and so this is very serious. And um, it is scary, um, but God's willing, we'll get through it. So, thanks for your patience with this, guys. I don't know when I'll get the next one up. I'll try my best to not let it be so long. But until then, brightest blessings, babies. May you walk in love and light.